Hey everybody, um, thanks for being at church today. My name is Joe Hess, I'm the Karen Connections pastor here at South Suburban Christian Church, South Sub Church. Some, some of you know this, my wife and I took a six week sabbatical this, this past summer and it was awesome. And one of the gifts about that time was just that time. I had time to pray, I had time to journal, I journaled most every day. It was sort of a prayer, part prayer for me, part sharing, writing down thoughts and feelings and experiences. In, in, in my mind, I started writing a book. Not the actual book, but just the chapter titles of a book. By the end of our time off, I had 28 chapter titles. This book I hope to never really write will either be very long and boring, or I need to cut out or combine some of the chapters. Here's a partial list of my chapter titles. If my wife ever decides to leave me, I'm going with her. For folks who know me, know my wife, I don't have to explain any more than that. Chapter two, dang it Siri, listen to me. Chapter three, did, did you make it to the top? And the next chapter is closely related to that, did you catch anything? Uh, next chapter, shopping for shoes with Joe. In this book I will probably never write, you will not wanna miss this chapter, it will be very short, I promise you. And I borrowed this chapter title from a t-shirt, and I quote, last thought before I die, oh poop, well I guess that didn't work. And then this one I shared a, a few weeks back, north or south of the clam beds. And this last one, does honking ever really help? Does honking ever really help? And that's my working title for this message today as we dig into week three of Stuck in the Suburbs, the sermon series that we're currently in. Does honking ever really help? The man was right in front of me. We're making a left-hand turn out of the Northridge Rec Center just down the road in Highlands Ranch. He was the first one in line of cars making a left-hand turn onto Broadway. There's a light there. I was the second car right behind him. He was an older man, and I know old is a relative term. He was older than me. I could tell, maybe in his 80s. And we were all waiting patiently for the light to turn green until it didn't turn green. And there were a bunch of cars now waiting to turn left, and this was taking longer than it should. A few cars back, they started honking. And not a friendly honk, but a honk that said, I'm really busy, I don't have time for this. Come on, come on, come on, honk, honk, honk. And I was on sabbatical when this happened. I wasn't in a rush at all that day. Oh man, I've been there, but that wasn't me on that day. And that's when I realized what was happening. The older gentleman hadn't pulled up close enough to trigger the light, he was too far back. And the horn honking continued. By this time, folks started going around the left-hand turn people. They had enough of this waiting stuff. They pulled out in a huff, son of a biscuit, enough of this waiting. We'll make a right-hand turn and then figure out how to turn around and, and somewhere else. I'm too busy for this. Shaking their heads as they drove by, jerk. And that's when I got out of my car and tapped on the man's window and shared with him that he probably needs to pull up a bit to make the light turn. He said, okay, he pulled up, the light changed quickly, and we were on our way. This whole thing took maybe five minutes tops to play out, but the honking behind me left me with this thought, does honking ever really help? And why do we honk? And I'm not thinking about those times when we're at a light and the light turns green and we're distracted or not paying attention and the guy behind us gives us a little tappy tap. But I'm talking about when folks lean on the horn because they're angry or frustrated or so busy, our schedule is so packed, we don't have time to wait. We don't have time to wait. And you know what busy stands for. 
Busy stands for buried under Satan's yoke. Buried under Satan's yoke. Busy. And we've been there, haven't we? I've been there. If you honked on the way, if you honked the horn on the way to church this morning or wherever you were this morning, extra grace points for you. EGR, extra grace required. Let's look at God's word for some thoughts on all of this. We're gonna go, we're gonna turn to Luke's gospel, chapter nine, starting with the 51st verse, Luke's gospel. If you have a Bible near you or, or your phone and, or the Bible app, it'll also be on the screen here in a second. Luke, Luke's gospel, Chapter nine, it's the third gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's one of the synoptic gospels, meaning the same. And I'm reading from the NIV translation. Your translation may be slightly different. Luke's gospel, chapter nine, starting with the 51st verse. As the time approached for him, for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely, or purposefully, decisively set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, that is, James and John. Then he and his disciples went to another village. The last two lines of these texts, Jesus tells James and John, no, No fire, no lightning. That's not the way we do things anymore. And they moved on to the next town. Can we stop there just for a second? Quick summary. Jesus is headed towards Jerusalem for the last time. He's on a mission. He's headed to the cross. He's already predicted a couple of times in Luke's gospel. This is how this is going to play out, and it's not going to be pretty. I quote, this is from Luke 9.22. The Son of Man, Jesus, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed. And on the third day be raised to life. And Jesus' disciples didn't understand this. These words didn't make sense. They know that Jesus is on a mission. Most still think Jesus is gonna somehow take back Israel, the promised land from the Roman occupiers, and restore things to the way they used to be. be. They think that's the mission. They're traveling through Samaria. Jews and Samaritans, they don't get along very well. Oil and water, opposite sides of the tracks, Broncos, Raiders fans, Trump people versus Biden people, vaccine folks versus no way vaccine people. When Jesus' disciples are told to go ahead and get things ready, what Jesus is telling them in his words and their words, go find us a place to stay. La Quinta, Motel 6, Best Western, doesn't matter. Go find us a place to stay. The local Samaritans, the innkeepers there, learn these reservations are for Jews. Heading to Jerusalem, nope, no room. Sorry, folks, we don't want your kind here. James and John, two brothers, when they saw this playing out, they live up to Jesus' nickname for them, Sons of Thunder. They ask Jesus, Lord, Do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? This is like a heavy honk. Eugene Peterson translates this verse this way. Master, do you want us to call a bolt of lightning down out of the sky and incinerate them? This is not a tap, tap, tap on the horn. This is a heavy honk. Both hands on the horn. James and John are ticked. They're angry and tired, I'm guessing. If they can't stay here, they have to walk to the next town. Come on, come on, come on. 
They tell Jesus, these are the bad Samaritans, Lord. These are not the good Samaritans. Just say the word and we'll take care of this once and for all. Honk, honk, honk. (laughs) And we can be that way too, can't we? When things don't go our way, for whatever reason, we wanna honk the horn. We wanna lean on it. We wanna let people know we're angry and we're not gonna take it anymore. And we all know it's not just horns. It's emails or texts or angry phone calls or angry conversations. When we wanna share things that are not right or not right in our minds, when we wanna share with folks that they are wrong, dead wrong, most of us, we probably can't call down fire on anyone's head, but we can sure give folks a piece of our mind, can't we? Honk, honk, honk. And if they don't move or do the right thing or make the light change, We'll just go around them and move on in a huff. Jerks, jerks. That's a way to react, isn't it? That's a way, not a good way, but that's a way. Back in my engineering days, we were doing a bunch of construction work up north of Rifle, the western part of Colorado, in an area called Peance Creek. This was around this time of year, back a few years ago, and we were up to our eyeballs in work, good work, one of our main guys, a lead surveyor, a land surveyor for us on the, construct, on the construction project, his name was Tim, and I loved this guy, but he had a temper, and he was hard to work with at times, and he would get so mad at me. I remember one time we were discussing loudly something that needed to happen. We were disagreeing, and he told me that I could stick it up my white preacher's backside. He was honking at me, and I was honking right back at him. Tim later told me he was quitting, he was done. This was too much, he had enough. And part of me said, good riddance, but the other part of me said, oh my goodness, now what? And I remember calling back to our our office back here and talking to Dave Douglas, a really good engineer, smart, and oftentimes he had the wisdom of Solomon. I told him, I told Dave that Tim was quitting. And he asked me what I was gonna do, and I, I told him I was quitting too. And without trying to argue with me, he said, well, that's the way. That's a way. Inferring to me that 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 is a way, not the right way, not a good way, but that's a way. And his wisdom calmed me down and we figured out how to move forward. Does honking ever really help? Honk, honk, honk. Is there another way? Especially if our charge as believers is to love God with everything we've got and to love the things God loves. Go love your neighbors. Go love on them where you are planted, where we live. Is there another way? One more honking story. Uh, My dad lives in a retirement community down in Florida. And a couple of weeks back, he tested positive for COVID. And he's really had no symptoms, no fever, no body aches, no congestion, no loss of taste, none of that. But he's been in isolation in his apartment since. But he snuck out just the other day just to take out his trash and someone reported him. They said, Alas is wandering the halls. You know he's got COVID. Honk, honk, honk. Is there another way? Honking. Angry honking rarely builds community. Does nothing to help build relationships. Loud, angry honking. It sets people on edge. It pushes people away. Think about the times you've honked angrily. Think about the times you've been honked at with anger. None of these folks, I'm guessing, have a snowball's chance in Hades to become best friends forever, BFFs. Is there another way? 
Let's go back to God's word. Fast forwarding in Luke's gospel from chapter nine to chapter 19. Luke's gospel, chapter 19, verse one. This is the, the, the Zacchaeus, the tax collector story. And if you grew up in Sunday school, you may know this story and there's a, there's a song that goes with it. Um, ask Pastor Ike, I know he would love to sing it for you guys. Um, Luke's gospel, chapter 19, verse one. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Jesus is close to Jerusalem now. He's only 15 plus miles away. It's a day's journey away. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your home today. So he came down and welcomed Jesus gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. (laughs) Do you guys hear that? Honk, honk, honk. They were honking because this guy, Zacchaeus, he was a crook, a traitor. He was, a, a, he was Jewish and he worked for the bad guys, the Romans. He was a Jew and he stole from the Israelites, his people. He took advantage of them because of his position. Whatever he collected over and above what the Romans told him he needed to collect for them, he got to keep. The story says he was wealthy. His wealth came from these folks that were honking. His wealth was what he stole from his own people. Back to the story, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Maybe it's through this Zacchaeus story we can find our own story, our own context, our own suburb. Jesus enters into Jericho, the story says. Jesus Jesus was just passing through. And this is Jesus' final leg of the journey before he enters Jerusalem and Palm Sunday and all that happens during Holy Week. He's surrounded by a crowd, heavy traffic, people traffic. All Zacchaeus wants to do is see Jesus. The story hints that Zacchaeus has heard of Jesus before. He knows about him. Maybe what he's done, maybe some of the miracles. He's maybe heard whispers that maybe, just maybe, Jesus is the one the Jews have been waiting for, the Savior. Zacchaeus is short, so he figures out a plan. Jesus is heading through town. He sees where he's going to be walking. Zacchaeus runs ahead of the crowd that's following Jesus, circling around Jesus climbs up into the branches of the sycamore tree and waits. He can hardly wait. And Jesus gets to the very spot where Zacchaeus is. And Jesus looks up and calls Zacchaeus by name. Oh, the power of calling somebody by name. I'm a big believer in the power of calling someone by their names. Cindy and I have lived in our home in Highlands Ranch. We moved here in January of 2004. We lived here going on 18 years now. We've always been friendly to our neighbors, but we struggled with being friends with our neighbors. Do you you know what I mean by that? We were friendly, but not friends, not close. And then 
COVID happened and I worked from home mostly for the better part of a year, I got to know my neighbors. I not only got to know their names, I got to know their stories. Dan, he's a diehard Green Bay Packer fan. He's from Wisconsin. He lives up the street from us. He lives and dies with his beloved Packers. Every time I see him walking his dog, Hamilton, we talk football or how our weather compares with Wisconsin's weather. He's a transportation guy. He works from home, used to travel a bunch, not so much since COVID hit. Stan and Lily, Stan is from Golden, Lily is from somewhere on the East Coast. She's one of six kids like me. Stan and Lily met in college. They're expecting their first baby. They struggled with infertility for three years, but just as they were going to explore other options, Lily got pregnant. They told me the other day they were halfway there. They know I'm a pastor. Cindy and I prayed for them. We circled up with them. We put our arms around them right on the road in front of our neighbor's house and we prayed for them. We prayed for that little one being knit together in Lily's womb. Dale is a retired school teacher from Columbine High School. He walks by our house almost every day with his wife and I can never remember her name. They walk by with their dog. He usually wears a cowboy hat. Dale wears the hat, not the dog. He's been to our church before, invited here by an old friend. He remembers Pastor Daryl and knows that Daryl lost a son. This past summer, Cindy and I were talking with them and we asked them about their other dog. They used to walk with two dogs and they shared with us they had to put that dog down and it was so very hard. And we shared that we had to put our dog back down in May, Mother's Day weekend, and we know how hard it is, like losing a family member. And that's when Dale shared with us for the first time, it was like a double whammy. That had been their son, Sam's dog. Sam died a few years back. And they lost part of their connection to Sam when they put their dog down. Wow, wow, wow. Everybody has a story, don't they? Don't we? Um, Our closest friends in our neighborhood live in the three houses that are adjacent to ours. Noel and Drew and their two kids, Evelina and Zara, they live right next door to us. Carrie and Gabe and their two kids, Sloan and Quinn, live next to them. And then our other neighbors, the next house down, Mary and David, they're from Canada. And the last 4th of July, we stuck Canadian flags in their front yard. Mary and David have been to our church a couple of times. They started coming to our small group a week ago that meets in our home. We started doing time together with these three families during COVID. Every Monday night, 5 p.m., happy hour in the Hesse's driveway. Kids, adults, visitors, all welcome. We'd set up our lawn chairs and bring a favorite beverage, and it's really how we got to know each other. When Gabe, 39 years old at the time, had a heart attack a year ago, 4th of July weekend, we all loved on them. And this past August, August 25th, when Gabe had open heart surgery, I was invited to pray with Gabe and Carrie before surgery at the Ann Schutz facility over in Aurora. The next morning, Cindy and I went for a walk. I I texted Carrie earlier that morning, hoping and praying for a good day for Gabe and Carrie and their their two daughters. And I prayed for some angels to come in their path today to remind them how close God was to them. We're talking, we're walking down one of the paths behind our house and we run into Carrie, who's going for a jog. And Carrie gives us an update. We hug and pray with Carrie right there on the dirt path. And Carrie goes home and reads my text and tells us later that we were the angels she needed today, today, the angels we had prayed for, right time, right place. 
Jesus' words to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down quickly. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. Folks start grumbling, honking, honk, honk, honk. If you and I had been part of the crowd that day, we would have honked too. If we were in Jesus' shoes, we would have shaken the tree until Zacchaeus fell on his head. That would teach him, right? But Jesus' ways are not our ways. And Jesus tells Zacchaeus to climb down the, the conventional way. And here's the kicker. Jesus says to Zacchaeus, I want, you to, I want to stay with you. I'm going to come to your home. In my mind, that would be like bumping into Peyton Manning at a Chick-fil-A and Peyton invites us over to his house to watch the Bronco game. Jesus knew who Zacchaeus was, a cheating tax collector. He could have zapped him with a lightning bolt and put him away, but, but he didn't. He called Zacchaeus by name and then went to stay with him. No honking necessary. You want to mend a fence or two with a friend or a neighbor or a fellow church member you invite them over to the house for dinner. We all have stuff, don't we? We're all broken in some ways, aren't we? We could all honk, honk, honk and point out where folks have messed up or come up short. No offense, Zacchaeus. That's a way, but what's a better way? Our charge as a church, our mission, our South Suburban Christian Church mission, our South Sub Church mission is to bring people to Jesus and together become passionate followers of Jesus. As a church, we're called to be the hands and feet and heart of Jesus to a hurting world. Just a day or so ago before this recording, there was a shooting just north of here in Littleton, a police officer downed, took nine rounds. We are in and we live in a hurting world, a scared world. You know, one thing about living in the suburbs, we generally have people that we see but most of them we don't know. In a quote I borrow from the movie, The Green Book, the world is full of lonely people, afraid to make the first move. I believe that is so true. I also believe we're hardwired to be in relationship with each other. We're not meant to be alone. We, we wanna be connected to each other in some real meaningful ways, not just surfacey stuff. Last story. Um, a friend of ours just moved back to Denver. She's really the daughter of good friends of ours that moved from here to Valparaiso, Indiana some t 10 years ago. She was just a kid back then. Well, she's 25 now, beautiful young woman, both inside and out. She just got her master's in speech therapy. She's working at a school over in that new neighborhood by old Stapleton Airport. She just started this job fresh out of school, airdropped into Denver, not knowing a soul really, she has a couple of loose connections, but no one she considers a good close friend. We invite her over to the house last Friday evening for dinner, my favorite burgers on the grill, and then just conversation around the table on our deck. She shares with us how rough it's been and how many times she wonders if she made the right choice to take this job. It's a long way from Denver to Valparaiso and Purdue where she went to school and where all her friends are. The job itself has been tough, but tougher than that, and most of us know how tough this is, to get airdropped into a community and not really have any close friends. But she starts looking for a church. She's a church person, grew up in the church. Her dad's a pastor. But along her college journey, she, she pushed away some. 
She saw how the church treated her dad sometimes and lost some of her innocence about God and Jesus. But she finds a church, a church called Summit Church. She goes by herself. She sits down in the middle of some seats. She comes early. Folks start to fill in the seats around her. Service starts. The pastor welcomes everyone. The pastor asks folks to turn to someone they don't know and introduce themselves. She turns to a couple and introduces herself. They're from California. They just moved here last December. They know what it's like to be new to a town. Quick, quick exchange, that's it. The service goes on. Our friend, she's sharing this story with us. She tells us she starts to pray. She prays for like the first time in a year and a half, she tells us she prays. She asks God if maybe the wife of this couple She asks God, maybe if the wife of this couple will reach out to her in some way. A few minutes later, the woman hands her a piece of paper with her cell number. And with a smile, she she whispers to her friend to call her. Let's go play pickleball or grab a cup of coffee or something. (laughs) Answered prayer. Grace extended to someone who needed some grace. Friendly smile, phone number, an invitation. What do we do with all of this? What's some of our takeaways from this? How do we apply this to where we live, where we go home each night, our stuck in the suburbs world that we live in? Does honking ever really help? I'm not sure if angry honking ever really helps. Maybe it makes us feel better when we do it, but you know it doesn't make the person we're honking at feel any better. We're usually honking angry because we're late for something. And now this situation that, that they're causing, now they're even making us more late. Honk, honk, honk. I'm guessing many of us have been on both sides of that horn honking. I'm thinking honking folks are hard to love. Angry horn honking folks are hard to love. But if you're honking at someone, there's no lost love there either. And you know when I'm talking about horn honking here, angry horn honking, we can angry horn honk in a bunch of ways, can't we? How do we get away from angry horn honking? Just wanna list maybe a few ways. Number one, from that first story where James and John wanna incinerate the Samaritans with one good lightning strike because they're not welcome, when things don't go our way for whatever reason, don't go automatically to the honking mode. Don't go all ballistic. Extend some grace. If you have to, just move on. When things don't go our way for whatever reason, don't go automatically to the honking mode. Number two, from the second story, the Zacchaeus story, Jesus knows Zacchaeus isn't a saint, but he still welcomes him, calls him by name, and then spends time with him. The importance of learning people's names. How that changes things, how that makes people feel important that they are noticed. Learn some of the people that you see regularly. Learn their names. Get to know their stories. Number three, and this may be the biggest one, slow down. Slow down. Be still, Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. The psalmist writes, make, make time and space enough for the Zacchaeus type folks that get airdropped into our lives. Make time for your neighbors. Go for a walk around the neighborhood. Ask people if you can pet their dog. Ask them what the letter P stands for on their hat. 
A mentor of John Ortberg's would tell him, we must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. We must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. Oh man, I am such a work in process, progress with this one. I always seem to be in such a hurry, running late from one meeting to the next, always running a little late. If you struggle with that too, maybe we can help each other. Remember busy, buried under Satan's yoke. Next Sunday, October 3rd, and for all the Sundays in October, there's five Sundays in October, my wife Cindy and I will be starting something called Faith Talks. I I really think the cooler name would be Coffee and Jesus with Joe and Cindy, but that's still up for debate. Whatever we end up calling it, we'll be doing this for five Sundays in a row from October 3rd through Sunday, October 31st, Halloween. Faith Talks will be between services here at church. We'll start around 10.15 and run until 10.45 or so. We just want to connect with you, connect with folks, create a space and time for that connection, for folks to connect with us, but for folks to connect with each other. It doesn't just happen in passing in the hallways here at church. And we'll do this right off of our coffee cafe area Um, If you go out the back doors of our church and go towards the right, you'll see our coffee cafe area. It will be just off of that. Todd, uh, one of our facilities guys, has helped create a a cool spot for us uh, to do this. So if you're looking for some connection to here and to us, come be a part of that. It starts next Sunday, right after the nine o'clock service, right before the 11 o'clock service. Grab a coffee from our coffee, grab a cup of coffee from our coffee cafe folks and then meet us back there. The first story I shared about the man turning left onto Broadway out of the Northridge Rec Center. Again, he hadn't pulled up enough to make the light change. Folks started honking behind us and then driving around us in a huff. That story changed when I put my car in park and got out of the car and lightly tapped on his window and with a smile, um, with a smile, and kindness and grace, I told him he's gotta pull up a little bit. The story changed when I engaged with him. I think that's what Jesus wants us to do as a church, as a church member planted in the suburbs. I believe our communities will change. I believe our church will change when we take the time to be together, to be in relationship with each other and with God. Remember, I, I believe in all my heart, it's easier to honk than to engage. But I believe in all my heart, Jesus modeled for us what it means to engage. Jesus loves you guys, and I do too. Let me pray us out. Um, Heavenly Father, um, Lord, I just thank you for being with us during this time, this day. And Lord, I ask you just to send some folks in our lives that need some grace and kindness and a smile and maybe an invitation. And Lord, help us to slow down enough to welcome them, to love on them, to care for them. Lord, be with us as we go try to be the arms and feet and heart of yours in this world. Pray these things in your name, Jesus, and all God's people said, amen.